Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another edition of Heavy Live with Scoop B. I am Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, senior writer here at Heavy. And the NBA Finals is a 3-1 Lakers lead. And the optics for the finals could not have been possible. (laughs) Without a special guest of mine, I got esteemed seasoned NBA photographer, Andrew Bernstein, on Heavy Live with Scoopy. Andrew, welcome to Heavy Live with Scoopy. Hey, Scoopy, great to see you again, my friend. Uh, You know, we see each other virtually, but it's better than than the alternative, not seeing each other. So thank you. It's (laughs) it's about that time. We've got a lot of stuff going on, the finals, COVID-19, and we're all trying to figure out how to find our way. Um, It's been a very, very busy time. You're actually in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, I am still in the bubble. I'm in uh, day 50 right now. Got here on August 20th. And um, I think we're in the home stretch right now. Yeah, I think um, I said Lakers in six. (laughs) That was a good prediction, you know, Um, you know, especially when Miami was healthy and uh, they were going to give them a good run. But um, it's tough to see a team that's that just doesn't have, you know, all its top guns and ready to go, um, especially, you know, being a five seed and getting to this point. Uh, I know it's disappointing for Pat Riley, the Heat organization, but look, they got a lot of fight left in them, man. We <laughs> saw that in game three. And um, even last night, game four, they, they still came out to play. Uh, they're not rolling over for any, any intent and purposes whatsoever. No, I think you're you're there's a validity there. You um last night that game, uh, LeBron kind of turned it on mm-hmm. at the right time. Uh, how many different versions of that shot, the, the three off that screen? <laughs> I think it was Duncan Robinson, and then he switched off on Jimmy Butler. How many versions of that shot did you get last night? 
Well, at that point, I was just shooting with the one camera in front of me. But um, when you say versions, I'm thinking back to how many versions of LeBron have I seen take that shot? You know, <laughs> going back, go back to really his rookie year, but you know his first finals in '07, and I mean the guy is just uh, mind-blowingly amazing to me um, at his age and uh, what he's still able to accomplish. I mean, his, I haven't seen any any drop, you know, whatsoever in his step, um, certainly in his commitment, his competitive spirit, but his game is still, is still top level, man. Uh, it's unbelievable at 37 years old. No, that's, that's, that's valid. I, I, um, as I'm watching the game, I'm looking at it from a couple different lenses, no pun intended. Um, I'm curious to know from your perspective in this finals, how have you had to adjust your, vantage point because of the bubble where's the biggest adjustment for you versus being in an arena in years past well i think the most glaring um difference is you can see it on tv when you're watching the game you don't see any videographers or photographers on the court so the quadrants all four quadrants are completely clean (laughs) which is very unusual um you know when i started in all the finals up until maybe three or four years ago those baselines and up the sidelines were packed with photographers. It probably were, it could have been up to 60 photographers and videographers on the court, maybe more. Um, so that's the biggest difference. So my, my photo position um, has been moved off the court. And if you, if you see, you know, if you look at the court, you can see that there's advertising signage around the court, almost like they do in the Olympics or yeah. international. And we are actually behind that kind of in the darkness, you know. So if you look at it, the screen in the full full court, you know, one basket to the other, um, I'm in the bottom left, basically, you know, on the visitor bench side. I'm sorry, the home bench side, but in the corner. So you can't really see me unless there's some crazy loose ball or something and the camera swings right. over there. But even then, I don't think you can see because I'm in total darkness over there, quite frankly. Yeah, it feels like a video. It feels like 2K. I don't think I really see any too many camera people in that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting what you say, how you say that, Scoop, because, you know, they have that rail camera that goes, you know, goes left to right or right to left or whatever in the court. And, you know, you could never do that in a regular arena because there'd be fans sitting there, you know. So I was watching, of course, the, um, the, the, you know, the, the completion of the regular season and then, uh, <clears throat> the play-in games in the first round before I got here. And, you know, it looked different. It looked kind of the same, but it looked different because of that rail camera thing. And, and also, you know, there's no fans and they got the virtual fans and all that. But then when I got here and I walked into the arena and it, it is an arena, but it's actually, you know, almost a set that's built in, a, in an arena. Mm-hmm. Um it was literally like I was walking into a video game. I mean, it was so so weird adjustment. And you know, there's no there's no energy from the fans in the building, but the NBA has done the best they can Scoop with uh, radio. you know, they're piping in music, they're piping in a lot of uh fan noise. Um so the environment is as close as you can get without having live fans there. But but it is it was an adjustment. It actually still is every game. I believe it. I, 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 um, my mind from, from watching it at home, I think of or have tried to make comparisons or place it with something I've seen. 
Mm. Tell me if this is an accurate assessment or, or at least somewhat, somewhat close. The NBA All-Star Game, I think it was in 2010 in Dallas, Texas. Uh-huh, yeah. Is there any similarity there? That's interesting because that was in the uh, in the football stadium, right? What's it mm-hmm. called? Texas Stadium. Yeah. Where the Cowboys play. And that was really bizarre, honestly. I'm glad you brought that up because they put the basketball court in the middle of the field, right? But they raised it up. I don't know. They must have raised it up like four feet or something from the floor mm-hmm. in the actual, you know, playing surface of the football field. So you're actually on a stage. But the weirdest thing about that scoop was that, you know, yes, you're in a football stadium and we have had all-star games in stadiums before the Astrodome, uh, the King Dome. Um, I think in Indiana, we were in there, but um, having be up on a stage, but also this, the, the giganticness, if that's a word of the scoreboard there, um, which was, I believe it was longer than the basketball court, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just this gigantic thing is hanging over your head. Uh, it was very disconcerting. I got to tell you, I, I have a little bit of claustrophobia and it's hard to say you have claustrophobia in a, uh, hundred thousand seat stadium, but it kind of reminded me a little bit of being like in an MRI machine because you got this like huge thing over you. I don't know if you've ever been in an open MRI. Uh, I do have claustrophobia in MRI, so I have to have these open ones. But they have this, like, massive thing, you know, over your head and over your body. Um, anyway, it kind of felt like that. But that's that's a really good comparison. But, of course, you know, they had a stadium full of people. I think they had, like, 60,000 people at that game or maybe more. So exactly. that's a big difference. Exactly. AT&T Stadium yeah. uh, is, is no joke, home of the Dallas Cowboys. Here with Andy Bernstein. Andy, you have um, 30 years or more experience uh, as a photographer, uh, taking pictures of anyone from the Showtime Lakers Mm -hmm. to Michael Jordan on the Bulls, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen to the Dream Team, um, 1992. Uh, I want to go back to the Dream Team and, 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 and not to limit, you know, LeBron James and in between that, Allen Iverson, Tim Duncan, all of those people. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to the Dream Team because I think that that was such an iconic um, uh, team for a lot of reasons. And we talked about it on my podcast, Scooby Radio, but for, for the optical purposes on camera, I'm curious to know from your perspective um, what it was like in Barcelona with the Dream Team. Well, um, that was, you know, my greatest assignment ever. Um, seven weeks embedded with that team from day one of training camp, which was in San Diego through Tournament of the Americas in Portland. Then we went to Monaco for training, more training camp, and then, of mm-hmm. course, Barcelona for the Olympics. And uh, it was it was special, Scoop. I mean, that was an Scoop incredible group of guys um, that bonded immediately. They had the perfect coach in uh, Chuck Daly. You know, this is pre-social media, so there wasn't a lot of, um, I don't know, there just wasn't a lot of personal hype going on. You know, it was all about them being a group. Um, and, you know, Chuck Daly was great at getting guys like Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, you know, guys with pretty big egos, but with, the you know, great resumes, too, to buy into the team concept um, and be leaders and um, I, I remember the practices, which, of course, you, you know about and listeners and 
viewers know about, you know, were legendary. I mean, the, the only real competition they got was from each other. So the practices were amazing starting in San Diego and, um, and they just enjoyed being part of history. And I, I, I really felt like I was, you know, I was a fly on the wall of history right there because, you know, just to be hanging out with those guys in the training room and locker room on the bus, the plane, whatever it was. Um, yeah. And they're truly letting their guard down and just being part of the family and all the adventures that we had, you know, we went to the palace, uh, the, the prince, Prince Renier hosted a state dinner basically for the dream team in Monaco. I mean, who gets to do that? You know, that was pretty cool. I went golfing with, well, I don't golf, but I went to photograph Michael Jordan golfing. It's probably the most beautiful golf course I'd ever seen in my life sure. um, uh, in Monaco. So the team was, it was amazing. They had, they were on a mission, you know, they, they're on a seek and destroy mission because they they were taking no prisoners that team you know they they came out to play uh from the beginning as we saw and um but the reverence that the other teams had for them you know pe- other teams were like posing for pictures with them during you know warmups so it was like when does this ever happen so it was it was a great experience um I made a lot of friends on that trip. I was able to bring my dad on that trip, which was unbelievable. A great bonding experience for he and I. And, um, you know, a, a lot of other things come close, but as a, as an assignment, as a block of time, nothing will ever compare to that. You know, that's, that's, I, that, that 92 dream team was special. Um, even the names that weren't Michael and, and Magic you had, Clyde Drexler, Patrick mm-hmm. Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, John Stockton. Yeah. I'm curious to know what it was like watching those guys. I'm going to use an Allen Iverson word. What was it like watching those guys practice? Yeah. They were intense. Um, they they were bringing their A game. They, you know, they were obviously egos, and they were super hyper competitive. And, you know, there might have been some lingering uh, – lingering laundry from the, the you know playing in the association you know michael and magic had just basically the year before played each other in the finals and it was a little bit of you know, we all felt and i'm sure they felt it was a passing of the torch i mean we had gone through you know uh, magic's hiv announcement um david stern uh reinstating him for the all-star game and of course embracing you know the whole world but the basketball world embracing him the uh, Olympic team. Um, there were a lot of things going on, and um, just watching them in practice was amazing. Because Magic has talked about like there were there weren't any other times that these guys ever played together. You know, on the same team, like they might have played against each other, like a East West situation All Star, but they never played each other. Like Magic and Larry were never on the same team together. You know? mm-hmm. uh, so it was a beautiful thing. And then you saw um, re- um, relationships that you would never in a million years, you know, think these guys would be friends. But Larry Bird and Patrick Ewing became like buds, you know, <laughs> it's true. In fact, uh, they were coined the Harry and Larry show, you know, because remember ha- uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they were hilarious. They were like, they were like, um, like a stand-up comedy act, these two guys, if you could believe it. Uh, 
but the practices were intense and Chuck Daly and, and his staff, you know, remember who was on that staff, PJ Carlissimo, coach K, um, Lenny Wilkins. I mean, you had some pretty hall of fame caliber coaches on there. Um, and uh, Chuck knew how to push buttons and he knew how to get the guys um, motivated. But I, I didn't think there was a lot of motivation other than, you know, just hooping it. They loved it. It was like being back in the schoolyard for these guys. And it was it was wonderful to see, actually, for me. You talked about, I think if this career in photography doesn't work, out, I think I think uh, maybe anchoring may, may be in your, your wheelhouse. I know you do a show over at Spectrum in, in L.A. Mm-hmm. Is it is it legend? No, the, your podcast is Legend of Sports. The name of right. your show on on Fox or, or excuse me on Spectrum is what? It's called Through the Lens. Okay. Um, it's it's a show that I that I've done where I sit down with a Laker personality and talk about their career through my photos. Uh, been a little bit on a hiatus for a little while. Mm-hmm. We're hoping to kind of kind of rekindle it uh, for this upcoming whenever the next upcoming season is. But I've really enjoyed. it. I had great guests, Pat Riley. Phil Jackson, Jeannie Buss, James Worthy, Robert Ory, a lot of great people. My good friend Gary Beatty. And it's all about stories through my photos. I mean, the photos just are kind of the catalyst for discussion. So it'd be like if you were sitting around a bar, you know, or in your living room with these guys and just chatting about history. You made mention of the passing of a baton, and I want to delve in a little bit more into that. I want to, I want to, uh, Zoom in a lot more on that statement, only because um, as a kid, I was when the dream team happened. I was like six or seven years old um, and fell in love with the league the year before that. And I, for me, um, you heard older people say things about Magic versus Michael. Like, what if Michael and Magic had not contracted the virus, and you know where Michael stood, and all that other stuff? Do you, in your heart of hearts, or just from your expertise, feel as though um, the dream team was that? Similar moment of passing the baton from Magic to Michael. Uh, I think it happened a little bit before that, honestly. I think it happened with, with Michael's first championship in 91. Um, I mean, everybody knew, you know, that the Magic and Bird era had kind of run its course. You know, Larry, you know, God bless him. He, he still came and participated with the Dream Team, but his back was a mess. Um, he's always just laying on his back, working it out, um, just trying to will himself to play and stuff. Um, but I guess if you want to point to a moment in time, it probably was, you know, the passing of the torch. Although I think the torch really was passed, you know, when Michael won that first championship in 91. Um, and uh, everyone knew that, look, this guy was special. Um you know, there's a, there were a lot of marketing things going on with with Michael. He had elevated the profile of the NBA and as as a marketable entity to a degree. I don't know if anybody except David Stern or Rick Welts or anybody in the league office really really could foresee honestly the explosion of uh, excitement. But what what the NBA did, what what I'm sorry, what the Dream Team did for the NBA in that summer, um, Rick Welts, who was one of the architects of the Dream Team, um, he was the architect of All-Star Weekend, by the way, one of my great friends, president now, president of the Warriors. Um, Rick Welts says that that the NBA um, jumped 10 years in that summer, you know, in terms of status, viewership, marketing, uh, you know, probably revenue, everything else, 
um, because of, of how popular the Dream Team was and how much attention worldwide, in our country, but worldwide, it brought to NBA basketball. Do you think that other than Magic and Michael, I guess that baton passing, um, like when I watched The Last Dance, for example, um, mm. <clears throat> some could perceive Michael and Magic, or excuse me, Michael and Kobe didn't have a relationship, but then you look back at the tape, you see that early on, you know, Michael was encouraging and Michael saw something. Yep. Do you think, has there ever been a baton, in your experience in the last 30 plus years, has there been a similar baton passing with Magic to Michael? Is there anybody else? Because I feel like Duncan was kind of like that bridge. Iverson was that culture when Michael retired yeah. and came back. But Kobe, yeah. I think, kind of just was told that he was that. And then I don't, I didn't see a baton passing with Kobe and LeBron. But I feel mm-hmm. like Rodgers positioned himself to pass that baton. All yeah. of that being said, from your perspective, have you actually seen an official baton passing, or who do you see that baton being passed to next? Well, you brought up Tim Duncan, which is a great example because he had a mentor and a teammate in David Robinson who was so, so giving and so willing to pass the baton and, and mm-hmm. voice that. You know, David was at the end of his career. Um, they won a championship together. He very much wanted Tim to to seamlessly move into that position, which was incredibly generous. But if you know David, one of the most giving and generous people out there, basically egoless, honestly. Um, um, Michael, um, I guess in the last dance a little bit, we, although he never said it, you kind of got the feeling like he was passing the baton, you know, that first all-star game where he talks about that Laker kid or whatever. Yeah. Um, you could sense that he, he was intrigued. Like his antenna was up, you know, about this, this young kid. And I think Kobe um, didn't look at it as quite frankly, a baton passing because Kobe always said he didn't want to be the next Michael Jordan. He wanted to be the first Kobe Bryant. Um, but all that said and done, when Kobe started racking up championships, um, the baton was officially passed. Whether it was willingly done or it was consciously done, um, you know, those first three championships uh, spoke for themselves. And it was it was a new era. You know, the Shaq and Kobe era was a whole new era from what we had just gone through with the six Bulls championships, the Jordan era, Showtime before that, you know, and that's really the breadth of my career. So now it's so interesting because we're seeing LeBron who, who, you know, came, I guess, came to life during the Kobe era. You know, Kobe was leading the Lakers to two championships basically in 2009 and 10. Mm-hmm. LeBron had already been to the finals at that point, but didn't win his first championship yet. Right. And now, you know, the guy is in his 10th finals, which is like, I don't even know. I can't even believe it how incredible that is um, still playing at a high level, but you're seeing guys, you know, that, that are just, you know, it's truly the next generation. I mean, look at Devin Booker. I mean, you know, these guys, uh, what's his name? Murray from Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. And I, I know how proud LeBron is um, and how he probably is, is not willing to pass the baton as as willingly as as we would all kind of hope, but 
All being said, I think he would feel like the game is in really good hands um, as his career is, is winding down with the guy. How many more years is, is he going to play? Um, and it's very important to him. And he has spoken about how uh, it's important to him that the game is in, be- is in good hands after you know Scoop he moves B on. Radio. And I think the other guys um, are seeing that and appreciate that and see him you know, as a mentor and a leader. Um, you know, and let's not forget about guys like Chris Paul, you know, who has led the way both on and off the court and continues to and will continue to afterwards. So it's not just about basketball. It's about um, affecting social change, voting, um, raising awareness, using their platforms to do good things. Um, and, uh, you know, where in the past it was really just about basketball, quite frankly, because there wasn't really social media. And a lot of the uh, social causes were talked about and guys, you know, were active, but they didn't have the platforms mm-hmm. um, that these guys have. I mean, LeBron has, what, 50, 60 million followers? I mean, you know, where do you get? And plus, he, he has the whole media machine to put his message out, which is, is an incredible thing. Andy, tell me something. What is the best meal <clears throat> you're in day 50? I know Chris <laughs> is in day 100. Um, you're half of that. But I'm curious to know from your perspective, mm. softball question. What's the best <laughs> meal that you've had in the bubble? Oh, Scoop, I'm dying to get home and uh, have one of my wife's homemade paellas. She makes the most amazing paella. My wife is an amazing cook, by the way. But um, the best meal I had, uh, we went to the Grand Floridian. Um, our boss, uh, who runs NBA Photos, Joe Amati, brought us as a group over there, uh, six of us. And we had a wonderful meal there. We had like a whole surf and turf meal. That was great. The, the food here, God bless Disney. They're doing the best they can. I, I happen to be on a restrictive diet. I'm on a gluten-free diet, which isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've ate more chicken in these last 50 days than I think I'll ever eat in the rest of my life. Right. They literally have chicken three day, three times a day for gluten-free people like me. So, <laughs> um, But the, uh, the other day I had uh, – what did I have? Oh, they have great omelets. Um, there's one restaurant on campus here that we're allowed to go to, and it's open. And uh, fantastic omelets. In fact, after we're done, that's where I'm going for an omelet. So thank you for reminding me. <laughs> we're here. We're here. I'm curious. You're at the Media Hotel, correct? Yeah. Okay. When I see people doing Zooms, and I've not asked, but I'm, I'm going to ask you. Yeah. I see these, that gray background in the back. It look, I used to lifeguard. And so it looks like a lifeguard locker. What is that in the background? So behind those doors, you know, this is like the price is right. Behind the doors, that's the bathroom. <laughs> that's what uh, that green door is? Yeah, the, they're, sliding, they're sliding wooden doors that okay. meet in the middle. That's the bathroom. I mean, it's the only decent background in this, like, you know, what 50-square-foot room that I have. Maybe it's less than that. Um, and keep in mind, I was quarantined in here for seven days where I could not leave this room. They would bring the food to me, leave it outside the door. You know, the only time I could leave was for literally 10 minutes a day to walk down the hall to get tested. And we still get tested every day. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to self-test in the morning and then we have to go and get physically tested with swab, nasal and oral swab. So um, I won't won't miss this room. I got to be honest with you. (laughs) 
they've taken good care of us here. Don't get me wrong. But it kind of reminds me, the whole experience reminds me of, I don't know if you ever went to summer camp as a kid, like a sleepaway camp, right? So it's kind of like that when you're like 11, 12 years old and parents, or you get on the bus or whatever, your parents drop you off. And then you have this like four weeks of eight weeks in front of you. Very daunting, you know, at the beginning and you're away from everything. And it's like that. And then combine that with like your freshman year in college where there's like adults all living together and like basically under one roof. It's it's an interesting dynamic, Scoop. <laughs> no, I believe it. What is one thing? Well, not even I won't I won't um, quantify it with one thing. I'll say you've been on the road for 30 plus years. Yeah. So, don't short don't short me out of 10 because I'm in my 39th year right now. So <laughs> Okay, so we wanted to You've been around yeah. for 39 years. For next yeah. year, your 40th year. Congratulations yeah. in advance. Thank you. Not um, wood. <laughs> you've been on the road you've, for years. I would imagine that that six months was, other than the NBA lockout two times, this is the most you've been home with nothing to do or something to do. What have you learned about yourself? Well, I learned that I have to be versatile and uh, that I have to be able to draw upon other projects, other things that, that I'm working on. I mean, I've, I've been in the process myself and three partners of launching Legends of Sport, which is my you know platform that is the same name of my podcast. We're actually in our third season. I'm about to do my 100th episode, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um so we partnered with the LA Times. We were in discussions with the LA Times um, all last year and into the pandemic. And we finalized our agreement with them and uh, launched the podcast on the LA Times platform. And they also host all of our archive as well before we were with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we launched with a 16-week block called Restarting the Clock. Um, basically, you know, the, the return to play of the NBA and WNBA. So each week was a themed, a themed episode. We talk about coaches. We talk about the bubble experience. We talk about legendary finals, matchups, whatever, rivalries. So we're in week 14 now, I think. We have two more to go. Um, you know, one will be a wrap-up of the finals next week. And then the week after that will probably be, well, I can't, I don't want to jinx it. I'll, I'll hopefully have a great guest uh, and a roundtable discussion with the LA Times journalists who have been here. Um, so that was um, that kept me busy. Actually, at the beginning of the pandemic, Scoop, I was doing two pod- podcasts a week. I was doing a regular show. This is before we launched on the Times. Regular show with with the guest. Mm-hmm. So we had Pau Gasol. I had Sue Bird. I had you know people of that caliber. Nice. But I was also doing. Um, a legendary photographer series, sports photographers. So these were all friends of mine or uh, giants of the sports photography um, trade that, you know, I've been lucky to be a part of that we could, you know, have great discussions and talk about their careers. And that was really well received, actually, not just by the photography community or sports community, but people really love to know, you know, those stories, those creative people. Um, So I kept, I kept busy. It was really, great honestly to be home um, with my family Uh, my office is almost walking distance from my house so i really would go from in the morning from my house to my office there was no one in my office it was my office in a little bit of dust there 
Yeah, you cut in and out for a second. I felt like you were on a live TV in Afghanistan. You know how there's like a 15-second delay. I know. It was weird. There was a call, and I put my phone on Do Not Disturb, but for some reason, some call got through. But anyway, Somebody- um, all, this, all this to say that um, that it was great to be home. You know, My daughter was finishing up uh, the sixth grade. Uh, my wife is a lawyer. She was working from home, so we kind of prepared a whole, whole home office for her. Um, I am never home ever on my birthday, which is at the end of April. So that was nice. <laughs> and uh, I'm never home in May and June. I've been traveling like a maniac for, you know, 39 years. So it's, it was great to be home with my family and um, reconnect in, in a way at a time that, you know, I'm not usually there. Now, combine that now with being away for 50 days, a little bit of a trade off. But I am glad to be working because, like you said, it almost almost six months without working. Everything shut down on, on March 11th. Not only my NBA work, Lakers and Clippers, but you know, we also do the LA Kings, um, the director of photography for Staples Center and Microsoft Theater. So all our live shows and events gone. Um, and we still don't know when those are coming back. So very grateful to Adam Silver and everybody for, for inventing this bubble experience and, uh, and putting me back to work. Kobe Bryant. A legend uh, passed away uh, on January 26, 2020. Um, I marveled at your work. Um, I think that was you, uh, those pictures with LeBron. Um, and times he would appear at Staples Center, whether it was you know pictures with LeBron and having a conversation with PNAD. And if I'm not mistaken, you actually took pictures of, Le- Le- excuse me, well, of Kobe and Luka Doncic at Staples Center as well. Was that you? Right. Yeah, yeah. What was that energy like when Kobe came back to visit Staples those few times during the season? Well, he he would come back with Gigi, you know, which was beautiful. It's beautiful to see a father-daughter enjoying a basketball game together. But it was much, as we know, much deeper than that. And he so he was so, and still is, but showing up in the building, there was so much love for him there. I mean... You know, the, the building would just erupt when they saw him walk in and and then players, you know, like Luca and all the visiting players, the current players would come over and, and chat and referees would come over. And I think he, he enjoyed it. I think he was completely, totally at peace with hanging it up and not playing anymore. And, um, yeah, I can't say what was going through his head, at least the first couple of times, but um the last time I saw him, um, a few days before the tragedy, uh, he was there at the game with Gigi, um, enjoying it, coaching her from the seat there, you know, showing her the ropes of the game, the in, the intricacies. It was it was beautiful, and he, you know, he and I had a wonderful relationship. I loved seeing him. Every time I'd see him after he he retired, he, he would rib me. He said, "Man, you still doing this?" You know. <laughs> And of course, that was the edited version. (laughs) (laughs) I like some of us can't retire yet, you know. But uh, we were we were so fortunate to do our book together, and of course, the book is now you know is now the thread with so many fans um, for his legacy and and remembering how great he was because the book was his own. Somebody loves Andy Bernstein a lot because they're calling his phone like crazy. Uh, Happy live with Scoop. I, 
I, I tried, Scoop. I tried. <laughs> so I so right now I hear you, but I don't see you on the screen. Hmm. Well, hold on. Let's see if we can make that work. Okay. We're here. It should work. Now I I mean I, I no. I'm in. I don't see you. Oh, that's weird, man. I mean, I can hear you and see you too. I see my name there. The camera is active. So it was a black screen. Then it was your face, like a like a blank picture, like on your iPhone. Right. A, a number. Now it's black again. Uh, it's messed up, Scoop. Oh, I don't know what to tell you, man. About this, why don't you log out yeah. and then log back in, and then you should be fine. So, there you go. So. Andy Burns will be back in a second. Heavy Live with Scoopy. Let's take a reset for a second. Uh, and the legendary NBA photographer, 39 years in the game, has shot photos of anybody from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to Kobe Bryant uh, to LeBron James to Michael Jordan and a myriad of other people. Um, and, you know, has covered the dream team uh, in Barcelona. Uh, that's when I first, you know, paid attention to uh, his work and what he had going on and, um, for years and years and years, he's been a trusted photographer, has his Legends of Sport podcast, uh, and has a show as well on Spectrum Sports, as he indicated, is on hiatus for a bit. Um, but um, really and truly a through and through, uh, Andy Bernstein uh, is a pillar uh, within the NBA community, currently in the bubble right now. Uh, Ben, if you can, uh, I know that Andy is checking back in. Can you make sure that uh, that happens? Uh, he logged in and he's logging back out. Um, but no, really and truly, there he is. Yeah, I'm back. I was singing your high praises while we were figuring out what was next. <laughs> Thank you were you, talking man. about Kobe Bryant and you were talking about the book as the thread. Yeah. You or the, the consumer, the fans, mm -hmm. as well as mm -hmm. he is the player. Tell me more about that. Well, um, you know, it's very unique relationship that he and I had. I mean, where have you ever really seen a, an athlete who's been with the team for 20 years um, in the same city photographed by the same? Are you there, Andy? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, yeah. Somebody's blowing your phone up. I know, dude. I am sort of on the clock here, so probably somebody from work but, you know, um, Kobe and I had a great relationship. Um, I was so fortunate that he let me into his inner sanctum, his inner circle from day one, honestly. And we were able to uh, put this book together, which was his vision um, and his mission, really, to tell his story in his own words through my photos. I mean, how generous of, a, of an act was that? And uh, we were very proud of the book when it came out in 2018. It's exactly the book that he wanted to do. It's the kind of the book, the book, he kind of talked me into doing that kind of book. Honestly, I wanted to do more of a picture book, you know, coffee table book. But no, he said, he said, no, I want to tell my story. I want, I don't want anyone else to tell my story. I want to tell my story. And so we did that. And the book was divided into process and craft. Um, we had to source out the photos. You know, keep in mind, half of his career was shot um, in the film days. So, you know, stuff really isn't online. We had to make a deep dive into the NBA photos um, film archive, had great editors helping us. Um, the designer was terrific that we used. And, uh, you know, now the book um, really has continued his legacy and has, has made 
has really made um, an incredible impression on me as to how beloved he, you know, he actually is and was in his career, in his career. But, you know, now, of course, that we don't have him. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I look at the book all the time. Um, I get to talk about it with folks like you. Uh, it keeps my memory of him alive very much. So I think about him all the time, thinking about him right now, you know, thinking about how many times were, was I in this position with him, um, that he was one win away from, from an NBA championship, you know, five times actually. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, it's a little bittersweet for me right now because, um, there's a lot of, a lot of discussion about Kobe right now. And the, the Lakers, you know, are, are on a mission to win this for him, which is a beautiful, wonderful thing, but it, it is, you know, it conjures up a lot of, uh, mixed emotions, sadness, of course, uh, grief, which I don't think any of us will ever get over. Um, but also honestly, a lot of gratitude that I was so fortunate to have him in front of my camera for 20 years and, and, and be a friend of his. Last question. Cause I know you're on the clock and you got to get a late breakfast. Um, Assuming they do close this out, they have a three-one lead. If they're able to, you know, close this out Friday or next week, um, yeah. You thought about the process of your photos that you'll take with confetti and trophy um, when the Lakers close it out because of how COVID has structured things. Like, is there a discussion about that? Is there a thought process? What is your thought process? No, it's interesting, Scoop. Right before we got on, my boss actually called me, and we're going to have a production meeting about that tomorrow when we're over at the arena. Today, everyone has the day off, um, but tomorrow we have a production meeting um, after the media availability and practices to to discuss all that because you know they still have to be very careful with the COVID um, protocols. Uh, but there are there is family here, you know, that have gone through the protocols and they'll be bringing them down um, to celebrate whichever team wins. Let's assume it's going to be the Lakers at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to run on the court like I always do, you know, and run into the locker room and do all that. So that remains to be seen. I guess we'll have to do a follow up at some point and go over that. But um, I'm hopeful uh, that that there will be, you know, some easing of the social distance uh, mandates that we've been under, you know, this entire time. Leave it there. Brother, enjoy your lunch, your brunch, dinner, whatever you want to call it, and um, <laughs> we'll be talking soon. Thanks, Scoop. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks for putting up with these, these weird interruptions, but, you know, it's a live <laughs> thing. What can you say? But great, great connecting with you as always, man. Of course, man. Be safe out there, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. <laughs> Thanks, Scoop. Take care, man. Thank you. And this is Scoop B Radio saying, you bring the coffee, and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Kaboom! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.